Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. I'm Nick Argyris, and today I'm looking for a book. Um, mm-hmm. that's the best book ever <laughs> written. Good yes. ever. Go on. That that's called Jane Eyre. Oh, ah, there it is. Yep. Well, Nick, we got it. Uh, to help me are two moderately qualified high school English <laughs> teachers, Ian and Joe. Uh, Nick, my name is Joe Holshu. I am a high school oh. English teacher. And Nick, if you are looking for the best book ever written called Jane Eyre, uh, I, I read Jane Eyre this week, which is a oh, really that fantastic. Yeah. It's a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Bronte's 1847? 1850-ish novel, Jane Eyre. Um, and it's... it's Seems like Nick, you should know the date. Well, it, I yeah, it's 18. Uh, you're not it's, math it's teachers, fine. am I right? Nope. <laughs> or history, which or would history. be more interested <laughs> in knowing dates, but yes. Ian, maybe he knows uh, Hello, litheads. Hello, compatriots. Hmm. Ian DeYoung is my name, doctoring is my game, and Hobbit facts are my claim to fame. I also teach huh. English at the high school level, and today I want to talk to you all about... Charlotte Bronte's influential gothic novel, Jane Eyre. And mm. today, uh, Nick, <laughs> yeah, I would like to uh, officially ostracize you from this podcast. Okay. Fantastic. It's about time. We are seceding from this podcast. <laughs> Ian and I are starting our own podcast called oh, no. Jane Eyre. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I wish you all the best of luck. <laughs> Nick breathes a sigh of relief as he pulls the plug from his computer and never turns it on again. That's the sound a computer makes <laughs> when it shuts down. That classic sound <laughs> when a computer shuts down. <laughs> now this is podcasting. Okay. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. Um... I'm just going to jump right into it. I did mm-hmm. look up uh, the book. I did search Jane Eyre real quickly. Mm-hmm. Guys, we got a building from on in the house. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, among no. other things. <laughs> oh, please. Welcome to Center Stage, a building's Ramon. <laughs> welcome, Jane Eyre. Please have a seat. We're interested to learn about you. Mm, thank you. Thank I think you. on this on this podcast, we have a, a pretty straightforward brand. We bring buildings, Romans, and downers, and that's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. No other books need apply. I am going to gently overlay some jock jams as we mm-hmm. invite Jane Eyre to take a seat. Yes. Um, Nick, do you think this is a real person? I'm confused. Jane Eyre is a, a woman, correct? Y- Good. Yes. Good so far. All right. That's- Nick, Nick, hey, Nick, what else do you know about Jane Eyre? <laughs> <laughs> buildings, Roman, that's good. Woman, that's two. Yeah, no, I don't know much about this book. Um, I am excited to learn enough about it to be able to look down on other people who don't know anything about it. Ooh, oh, good. Maybe that's, you know, maybe maybe that's actually the target demographic for this podcast. You know, we always yeah. wonder, do people 100%. want to have read the books? Do they not want to have read the books? No. Like, do they want us to talk about things that they know about? Maybe it's just... Litheads, come to this podcast mm-hmm. to learn enough about a book to look down on people who haven't read it or That's why I who like haven't it. listened to the podcast. Yeah. Trafficking in scorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that'll be a great T-shirt. Um, so <laughs> dreadful, <laughs> dreadful. Um, that'll also be. A I great do want t-shirt. a. I do want a shirt that just says "Secret Learning" though, in really <laughs> big, really, really big letters. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, welcome everybody to You Don't Know Lit, um, where, um, yeah, the the books are are better than the themes. Um, <laughs> no, that's you're not wrong. There. That is yeah. one hundred. That's the truest thing we've ever said. Yeah. Um. And so every week we normally pick uh, two great books and one mediocre theme, but um, you know, every once in a while we have cop out episodes where we just we just can't get to two books, so we just do mm-hmm. one book because. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, we talked about one book that we, we want to. And yeah, hey, let's emphasize one- just how little power the Lidheads have in this matter. <laughs> right. hey, listen, Lidheads, I'm sorry. I got to be the velvet fist inside the iron glove here for a second. Yeah. If you want to recommend books, you can. You can. But some days we're just going to do a cop-out episode mm-hmm. and there is frankly nothing you can do about it. Right. Well, they could They could recommend themes as well. They um, could. Yeah. Oh, that that seldom happens. Lidheads, lots of you recommend books. We very seldom get theme recommendations because it's not that fucking easy, is it, Lidheads? It's, <laughs> oh, um, I actually think it's the easiest part. <laughs> um, love, that's a theme. Uh, circuses or clowns, that could be right. another theme. Teeth. Teeth. Teeth is a theme. That's, that's, a, that's a good enough dentists, theme on this podcast. Dentists in general. Books about dentists. Um. Welcome, Litheads. So, uh, Big City Books. <laughs> no, Ian, that, that one. one is too stupid. <laughs> pretty, pretty high on our list of bad themes. Um, we have a couple rules to keep the order. Um, rule number one, uh, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. Joe and rule number three, Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Vince Lombardi. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, uh, does somebody want to take 30 seconds to please just um, explain to me briefly what uh, Jane Eyre is all about up in here? Uh, Okay, here's a 30 second plot. Okay. Um, Is my clock started? Sure. When does it start? (laughs) Started. Oh, great. Thank you, Nick. Jane Eyre is a literary classic for good reason. Mm -hmm. It has a riveting story, its characters are compelling, and its atmosphere is absolutely unparalleled. This is a book about psychological complexity, systems of morality, and the excuses we make for each other and ourselves. Also, it's about a creepy old house. Also, it's about (laughs) telepathy. Mm -hmm. Good job, Ian. Thank you. I appreciate that positive reinforcement. I um that that description kind of made me um think about descriptions when you read them, and it just says like this is about love, lust, and <laughs> the things that I've long forgotten. It's like oh, but no, it's actually about murder. <laughs> and and <laughs> anyway, I mean, um, you could say this book is about love, lust, and the things that are long forgotten. Okay. I, that would actually not be wrong. Yeah. Really? Well, that's like. That's a lot of books. I mean, Lord of the Rings. That's that's a good description right. for Lord of the Rings. Things love, that should not be forgotten. Love, yeah. lust, and the things forgotten. Yeah. Now, Nick, let's let's be clear here. Are you saying love, comma, lust, or no. love lost? Ooh, um, I did say lust. Yeah, lust is better because it's a funnier joke with Lord of the Rings, which famously has no sexual involvement whatsoever. 
Mm-mm. Yeah. What's up with that? I, it, uh, Tolkien's, he's kind of a prude. He was a Victorian. I read mm-hmm. a thing which said that Tolkien was born in the Victorian era and basically <laughs> never that influenced it. him a ton. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He was born in the Victorian era. He looked around and he liked what he saw. <laughs> what thing was that, Ian? Was that Wikipedia? <clears throat> no, it was a biography. Maybe the thing. well-known J.R.R. Tolkien, a biography, which is his biography. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to talk, Nick, about, I want to talk a little bit about the Brontes. Um, J- yeah, the Brontes. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Is so it a family? It is a family. Ooh, Jane Eyre is sounds written by, like it's full of lust. Well, oh, no. no, actually. Uh, <laughs> Jane Eyre is written by a woman named Charlotte Bronte. But what you might not know, Nick, unless you've ever watched Jeopardy, because I feel like the Brontes is a category like every third day. Um, okay. Wait, what you, really? Yeah, the Brontes are always a category on Jeopardy. That's fascinating. This is news to us, Joe. The Brontes are a famous literary family. Um, There were, it was a real family uh, because one of them wrote this book. Um, And they had six children. Four of those six children survived to adulthood and three of them published novels in their lifetime that are looked at today as classics. Like we look at it today and it was three sisters, Charlotte, Emily and Anne. And the first two are like classics. And the third one is kind of like, uh, you know, it's a classic. Like she's, she's are you the gonna other sister. Tell us what the names of those books yeah, are. Well, the first one is well, Jane Eyre. Well, I, I was deciding if I was going to keep Jane Eyre for the last or not. I'm going to keep Jane Eyre for last. <laughs> okay. Uh, the first one, one last. Yeah. Anne Bronte, the baby sister, the baby sister, she wrote a book called The Tenant of Wildfeld Hall, which I have never read, but it sounds pretty good. Uh, the middle sister, the middlest sister, Emily Bronte, she wrote a book called Wuthering Heights. Nick, have you heard oh. of Wuthering Heights? Yeah, that's a big, that's a big one. That's a big one. That's a big I would big say that's, the, that's like the real challenge. If you mm. go put put the Brontes, if you had Bronte fights, yeah. I would say probably Wuthering Heights is... The, the only real challenger to Jane Eyre in terms of mm-hmm. famousness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've never heard of the second one. So. Yeah. Well, and you've heard of this one, Nick. The third one is written by Charlotte Bronte and it is Jane Eyre, which happens ah. to be the theme for our episode this week. Um, I put them in that order. I think they were actually published in exactly the opposite order. But one cool thing about them is all three of those books um, were published the same year in 1847. Essentially, these three wow. girls, like these three sisters, they all lived Not together. Not a coincidence. They all wrote a book together and they're all like, hey, these books are pretty good. We should um, we should try to get them published. And then they did together. Um, and those are three books that are with us today. Can I add on to this? Mm-hmm. Just with their publication thing? Super sad, super sad moment. Maybe- Joe, you're right. going to talk about their their pen names, their pseudonyms. Yeah, no, but um, before they before they published these novels, they've been writing poetry because apparently in the 1900s, 19th century, sorry, just everyone knew how to write poetry, and they mm-hmm. did all the time. And so these these three women had been writing poetry, and so they decided they were going to publish their poems, and they did. Um, and the collection of poems. Uh, was under three yeah. three men's names. Mm-hmm. They didn't take their own names. And do you want to guess how many p- p- uh, copies that sold? Oh, man. A lot. Well, okay. Well, what's your second guess? Okay, yeah, try again. 
Uh, three copies. They oh each my God. one. No, actually two. The correct answer is two. It sold two copies. I don't know if you've ever sold a book, Nick. There's a lot like in royalties and Not the publisher yet. takes a big cut. But just f- like, just so yeah. you know, if you only sell two copies of a book, you don't make a lot of money on it. <laughs> All right. So you're that publisher and like you're there. They're basically like their contact. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, so what's that call like? They're, they're like, well, what are we, what are we up to on sales? Well, we're up to two. Okay. Well, we bought, we bought two. Yeah. We bought one for dad. And uh, <laughs> did you get a chance to read it? How yet? is that possible? We bought four copies. <laughs> um, I actually really like the idea that between the three girls that published this book, they did not ooh. all own a copy of it. Good point. That's amazing. <laughs> Who, which sister didn't buy a copy? That's the question. Did <laughs> just it, their parents buy a copy oh. or did they die of tuberculosis? Oh, because it's the 1800s. I'm assuming at least one of them died of tuberculosis. Hey, Nick, um, one second. I've got some more fun facts about this family. Oh they're, they're all tuberculosis related from here on out. Just so we you are. Know. We're not really closing any of these loops on these stories. But we're just kind of jumping into the next one. Keep going. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So um, out of the three sisters, Charlotte, our author today, Charlotte, she lived the longest. Nick, <laughs> say, 40, you lived a, say you lived Did she live to 42 years old or oh, what? Almost. She lived to 38 Almost. years old. 38, pretty good. 38 pretty good. years old. Her younger sister, Emily, the author of Withering Heights, she died at 30. And Anne, Jesus. poor young Anne, she died at 29 years old. Uh, all of their deaths are attributed to tuberculosis. Like, that's what it says for all of their deaths. But that actually seems like maybe- Are you serious? Yep. But it also seems that okay. maybe during the time, like- Sometimes tuberculosis seems like it might have been just like what they wrote on the death certificate if they weren't totally sure. Like they're like, eh, she was sickly tuberculosis. Do you ever make a joke and then it's real and then it's not yeah. funny anymore? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Nick, you killed all three of these young ladies. So sorry. Um, um, okay. So they, just to uh, underscore this, they their their pen names were all men's names because because I I don't I don't mean I don't know I don't mean to generalize here but did they think that would sell more? Okay, so I I have a little bit of insight on this. Um, initially, good. Initially, Charlotte was was writing around and they contacted somebody that they really admired and like she sent some some of their poems and this guy wrote back. His name is Southie, and he said, "Well, look." these poems are fine. Like they're pretty good. And he said, but literature really isn't the business of women. Like it it really can't be the business of women and it ought not to be. So when you ask about their pen names, you basically get two responses for this. Um, First of all, this quote is pointed to all the time, like this letter that exists that was like, ah, these are pretty good poems, but women can't really write literature. Um, But later it was said that Charlotte Bronte published these under a male name because she felt like women's literature was judged more leniently. Like books published by women was judged more were pub, were judged more leniently, and she okay. wanted to be judged like on the like toe to toe with men essentially. Like she didn't want critics to be nice, which is that's an awesome like that's an awesome thing. Not to say you know what I feel like it's easier to publish as a woman, so I'll do that. She's like, mm-hmm. no, it's easier to do this, so I'm going to do the harder option. Yeah. Which is kind I of like, like the cliff notes for her life, from what I can tell. Like, so when did it? When did when did the pen name go away? Because clearly, 
I've so, never heard of these these fake men names. <laughs> yeah, so so they published them under three pen names. Um, Charlotte took the name Curer, C-U-R-R-E-R Bell. Emily took the name Ellis Bell. And Anne took the name Acton Bell uh, to preserve their initials. And when they published, they it was obvious that these were pen names. Like there was kind of like this clamor as to like, who are the real writers of these brilliant novels? And people thought maybe it was just the publisher writing all three of them under the pen names. Mm-hmm. Um, and, at, and at a certain point, the girls came forward. Like they stepped forward into literary society, uh, just Charlotte and Emily did. And people were almost immediately very disappointed with these girls because yeah, of like, course, of course. Yeah. yeah Cause they're, they, the, cause they're the worst. Well, yeah. Cause not only were they women, right. Which I think was like kind of cool, but they also like by all accounts weren't very fun at parties. Like people would invite Charlotte uh, Bronte on. to parties. No, 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 no. I have quotes to back this up. <laughs> How does this a connection with the book sales? <laughs> well, Nick, I would buy this book, this but story, they're totally lame at parties. <laughs> once you've read this story, you think the author is going to be just the most rad person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like powerful emotions, witty, clever, great conversationalist. Just great, just a fun, just a fun, awesome person, kind of magnetic. So this is so weird. This is so weird. This mm. is so weird. Nick, so is it weird? I, can we get, can we jump back a little? Yeah, please. You know, in these situations, I always wonder. It's um, uh, okay. So this publisher said, "Well, you, you, I think you're gonna have better sales if you use a a, a gentleman's pen name." Uh, let's be clear. This is not yeah. a publisher. Oh. This was currently the poet laureate of England. So basically, England <laughs> said, you are the oh. best poet. And they, she wrote him and said, hey, poetry. And he's like, oh, stay in the kitchen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is like writing. Imagine, Nick, you're a filmmaker. Imagine the best film filmmaker you can think of. Um, your, Kevin Smith. Your McG, for instance. Michael You Bay. write a letter to him and you say, look, McG, here is my film and he yes. said to you no you're bad at this stop yeah. forever mm-hmm. i think i'd say fuck him but or <laughs> well, fuck her um yeah. but here's my question <laughs> do you think this lore is has anything to do with like the book's eventual success mm. uh no i don't think so it was jane eyre was a pretty immediate bestseller all f- all three books did well in their first printing. So we've talked, Nick, we've talked about the book of poetry that sold two copies, right? We are not talking about that anymore. We are oh, now, okay. yep. We are now talking about their novels, their, their introductory novels, all published in 1847, Jane Eyre, Wuthering Heights and, um, and Bronte, of course, who could forget the tenant of Wildfell Hall. We're talking about their introduction. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> that Joe. seems so mean. It's I will than say the book we didn't write. Mm-hmm. If you guys are ever on Jeopardy, by the way, and like you have the Brontes category and you don't know the answer, I think you should guess Anne Bronte because she is the forgotten sister. Okay. Okay. Right. Good to know. How long did they wait until they kind of um, uh, went public, so to speak? Uh, they they waited like a year. So the book <laughs> waited for the, the yeah, I could, I could hear I could hear Joe not knowing the specific. No, I had no. That, I have so. no idea. I jumped well, in. That's fine. So, it's a, so, you know, I don't expect all the details to be, you know, <laughs> we're really shooting from the hip here, guys. I don't expect you to know everything. <laughs> the first, the first edition was published um, in October of 1847, okay. and they kind of admitted that they were, um, and and the other the other Bronte sisters 
also published around the same time, they admitted that they uh, were who they were in 1848. So less than a year after Jane Eyre was published. Is this the type of place that we can like lobby around conspiracy theories? Yeah, this is a safe space. Okay, go next for it. Safe space. All right. So, Ian, yeah. you're familiar. You well, no Ian facts needed here. Perfect. <laughs> I, let me shoot from the hip. Um, Ian, you and I both <laughs> we've we've both read To Kill a Mockingbird, of course. Nick, are you familiar yes. with To Kill a Mockingbird? Sorry, I was just taking a pull from this bottle of wine. I, uh, I think I think I've read it. Yeah. So, To Kill a Mockingbird, it like very very long story short, is famously like a one hit wonder. It was written by a woman named yeah. Harper Lee. She wrote this book. It was this insanely good book taught in every high school on the planet. Uh, well, in America, um, which for the purposes, yeah, on the planet, yeah, in America. Oh wait, um, can I pause you right there? Yep. I think there's like eight people in Switzerland that listen to this podcast. Oh, um, that's amazing. It could, it could be six. It could be five. It could be one who just sure. downloads our podcast just eight incessantly. <laughs> um, but I that's think we should really just maybe take nice. a moment to say hi to them. How do we, is there, how, how do we say do hi Do any of you speak Swiss? Uh, Switzerland has four official languages. Uh, English is one of them, so it's all good. Okay. But also, Great. I do speak German, so if you wanted, I could say hello in German. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Why don't you go ahead and go uh, for that? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe, you, what were you saying? Uh, you were, okay. uh, as, as you were. Okay. Uh, so, uh, a raging conspiracy theory with no facts to back yes, it up. I'm, uh, so I'm go. sure we'll talk about To Kill a Mockingbird at some point. But To Kill a Mockingbird is written by a woman named Harper Lee. Harper Lee was a one-hit wonder. She happened to be very close childhood friends with a guy named Truman Capote. And Truman Truman Capote was a wildly prolific, extremely literary author. It's widely speculated, um, and I'm just going to posit it here. It's widely speculated that Truman Capote, Capote, not wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, but was heavily involved with To Kill a Mockingbird, like as these two were coming up together. Okay. Sometimes I wonder about the literary success of the Bronte family. And sometimes I wonder if there was like heavy editing on, you know, one end or the other. Now, I'm not saying it was Charlotte Bronte. I'm not saying she was like the literary genius behind like the fabled success of the Bronte family, but I'm not not saying that. Well, Jesus, how can three sisters write like some of the greatest? I mean, that seems incredible, you know, or it's just the great genes, great genes, maybe great genes or or like a really, a really cool, constructive, collaborative environment. So the, the stories about the Bronte sisters and like their, their sort of literary interactions, like these people wrote for fun. These people wrote Mm. poems for fun. Like Fair they enough. read widely and they all like a bunch of them ended up to be teachers. These yeah. were, these are people who, if podcasting had been around would have scooped us on, you don't know lit. It would have been, you don't know Brontes and it would have been theirs. Oh my God. You don't that could know be a new podcast. That would be a great podcast. Um, it'd be a very short podcast. So it is tongue in cheek here, obviously, but no, like they talked about these literary worlds that these kids lived in like they had this entire imaginary universe populated by soldiers and they would like write and tell stories for one another it was like it was a weird house to grow up in weird house 
Is this book difficult to talk about? Because I don't know anything about it. I've never no. heard anything about no. it. I think it's super easy to talk about. It's a really simple book, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, to talk about. It seems like the, the author history is way more interesting than whatever you're about to say about this book. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's a pretty cool book. Ah, it's a pretty cool family. <laughs> well, and I think I think Nick, there's a connection. So uh, Charlotte Bronte had this idea that like good art. She was not the first to say this, or certainly the last. She said basically, good art needs to draw upon personal experience. Um, so a lot of the sort of experiences in her life end up in some form in this book. So there's a peer a passage in the book where a really nasty boy throws a book at um our main character's head and makes it bleed. And there is like, there is an idea that this is this specific moment is based on something that happened to Charlotte Bronte when she was a teacher, somebody threw a book and made another kid. um, How does that make you feel as a teacher, Ian? uh, Book throwing? I'm I'm firmly strongly against. Yes. I think that is the line that we draw in the sand. Are Um, you, sorry, Joe, were you also against it? I didn't hear you. uh, I am. Yeah, if if I can be so bold to say I am also against book throwing. Against book throwing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if it's like okay. if it's a if it's a really like unless it's a really tiny fun book. Okay. Like a short story. Like if it's a if it's like a bouncy book with like soft pages, then it might be more like mm-hmm. a beanbag. Yeah. And, and that stu- would be acceptable to you. Well, I mean the question is and this is this is central I think to today's episode. What is the difference between a beanbag and a book? Yeah. yeah. I had a student once who had some kind of emotional problems and he walked into my room and this is like first block. He sat down like in the middle of the room. He sat there like as students were filtering in for the, for a couple of minutes. And then he took his book, threw it against the whiteboard and walked out of the room. And that was it. And I, I think about that quite a bit. Like he was (laughs) (laughs) now, Joe, when you say that was it, do you mean you immediately gave him an A for how bold he was? Right. I mean, like, I, I, that was I, it. I like the cut of your jib, kid. Yep, that was it. I gave him a cut of your jib grade. He uh, got an A, and now huh. he is doing great things, I can only assume. It's strange to see somebody so young snap so <laughs> early. You know what I mean? Normally, right. that takes years and years to build up. You, yeah. you start to see that in your 30s, 40s, and, and so on. <laughs> That's slamming books against walls. From my experience. Um, so... Um, you still haven't told me anything about the book, which I find okay. interesting. Okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you about this book. It's a pretty simple book. It's focused around its eponymous main character, Jane Eyre. And we meet her when she is a young girl, and we sort of see her miserable life with her aunt, who is dreadful, and her cousins. And then we see her miserable life at school. And then we see her pretty wonderful life as a governess. And then something happens. And I'm not going to say what, because it's a pretty huge spoiler. Mm-hmm. There's something in the attic, and that's bad. And then Attics are bad, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, so she leaves because of what happens about the thing in the attic. About the attic, yeah. She leaves the governess place, and she kind of goes and has a different situation with some people <laughs> that she's related to. <laughs> this is so vague. <laughs> well, Nick, really we don't want to, spoilers. See, Nick, this is, a book, this is a book where, like, at around... A third of the way through, things just like really start happening. Extremely yeah. important plot things, and I really don't want to spoil it. Is, is this a long book? I, f- I forget if you mentioned that. Yeah, it's it's fairly long. The copy I have is about five hundred pages or so. Oh, yeah, okay. 
it does feel long. And not only that, it happens in like these very distinct episodes, right? So mm-hmm. like it's it's her time at, you know, her aunt's house or whatever it is. And then it's her time at boarding school and her time as a governess. So yeah, it, it does feel long. How does she go from boarding school to governess? It's actually uh, really, it's yeah, really kind of cute. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Joe. It's, it's, no, it's story. a cute meet. It's a cute meet. Go, yeah, go ahead. It's a meet cute, you mean? <laughs> it's cute. No, it's cute meat. She has a leg of lamb and it's cute. very small and it's delicious and she roasts it. Uh-huh. Um, so like a tenderloin. She, she is, uh, she's a t- uh, at this boarding school. She, she boards there for until she's 16 and then she becomes a teacher there for a couple of years and she likes it, but then she kind of ends up like I could do better than this. And so she has no idea. She's kind of been like, like, not out in the world very much. She has no idea how to get a different job. So she uh, she um, finds a copy of a newspaper and um, uh, puts a she puts an advertisement in the newspaper and then she arranges for like a secret message to be sent to her when someone responds to her ad. And the first person that responds to her ad, she just takes that job sight unseen and mm-hmm. ends up in a pretty good situation. But. Yeah, things turn out fine. Oh, things turn to out be fine fair, I didn't understand the meaning of governess, which I just had to look up. So oh. that actually makes a lot of sense. She um, is in charge of a state in the United States. She yeah, is yeah Nick, what did you think yeah. governess meant? I'm very, I, very curious. So governess sounds like this woman is in charge of taking care of children. Mm-hmm. I thought it was more like she um, just lived in a big mansion. <laughs> drank, drank all day and was infinitely rich yeah. yeah so it is in charge of taking care of children it's not it's more than a nanny though it's like the well-being and education of children like a live-in like a live-in okay. tutor basically mm-hmm. i just thought it was like more of the, the like it's like the feminine of like governor right no right. Yeah. no she doesn't advertise for a job as a feminine governor um so amazing. she she yeah. kind of she has this she ends up in this position uh, as a governess and she her her um her employer Mr. Rochester is just like this really like kind of a crusty he's got morose. like a passionate eye but he's like very morose and he's standoffish and gradually of course they fall in love because you know that's going to happen um but then as i mentioned something happens there's something in the attic she leaves and goes and, and lives with, um, finds and lives with some relatives of hers and eventually makes her way back to Mr. Rochester because of the aforementioned telepathy. So this, this book sounds really lame. <laughs> can you, can you so, help it out here? Next, this is yeah. not, I, I, yeah, think I think most should... people would agree with what I just said. So help me out here. Why is this book good? Ian, well, I think we have to talk about what's in the attic. Yeah, I think we do. So yeah. let me let me lead up to the Spoiler attic. Spoiler alert. This is a gothic novel, so it's really big on like atmosphere and foreboding. And when when Jane gets to this house, very, very deftly, uh, Charlotte Bronte kind of weaves in these little things, these little suggestions that there is something in the attic. And there's something like not explained about this house, this big old fancy manor house where Mr. Rochester lives. Well, and, and not only is it something not explained, it seems like it's something that everybody knows about except for Jane Eyre. Except like it's, Jane. Except Jane. Yeah. It seems like everybody knows. It's like, well, yeah, sure. Weird things happen here. And Jane's like, what the F is going on? 
Um, can I guess? Well, this oh. is the game, Nick. Um, I'm going to set a timer. The game is called What's in the Factic because we got to put mm-hmm. fact in everything. We do. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. going to put a timer. I'm going to set a timer for 30 seconds, and you have 30 seconds to guess what it is. You ready? 30 seconds starting now. Um, okay. I'm going to get weird with it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going for quality, not quantity on this 30. Got it. Um, I'm going to say she finds a journal. And mm. she finds this journal and it has like her her own story in it Whoa. that like oh. it's about her. Wow, that's good feedback from Joe. Well, it's I, got I think like, that's just a great story. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like it tells her her future. All right. That's one guess. Oh, my God. Um, well, that's all. That's all you have time for. That is your time. OK, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Nick, that's yep. not what's in the attic. But yeah. that story sounds amazing. Like she finds a future fortune telling journal in the attic that talks about her own future. That's my guess. That's all I had time for, Joe. Mm-hmm. I think that's the if plot you, if of If you like Three that, Ninjas. tune in to next week when I make up other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, if you would like a recap of your notes, I took pretty detailed notes as you went. <laughs> and um, you said, okay, quality over quantity. It's a journal. It's a storytelling journal that tells her future. That's what you said in 30 seconds. I stand by it. Well, Where do we go not, from here? It's not a journal. Um, it is a pretty, it's a pretty horrible secret. All right, and fuck it. Spoil this shit. Yep. Nick, can I, Ian, can I spoil it? And then you can elaborate. Please. Spoil Nick, it. There's in the attic. Cool. Sweet. Let's just keep it at that. Yeah. That sounds sweet. Yeah. That, the, the book just got a lot cooler, didn't it? Yeah. It got a lot cooler. <laughs> <laughs> it really needed this piece of information to, <laughs> to uh, elevate uh, my interest. I'll be honest. It's really interesting how this whole book kind of like, without that, it's just sort of a romance novel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's love With lost. telepathy. But like <laughs> that element just kicks it up a notch. Is this book actually well written? Yeah, it's Or actually, is it more of just a, a plot that moves and is, you know, an interesting story? No, it's both. Um, a lot of people that read this book, you know, this book's written in 1847, 1850. A lot of people that read this book, they talk about how modern it feels to read, which isn't yeah. the case with a lot of stuff written in, you know, the mid 19th century. Mid- yep. Yeah, mid 19th yep. century. Thank you. I wish they would align those up a little I bit know, better. It's the, the, you know, they had one the shot. 18, if it was 18, just say 18th century. That would have yeah. been, man, that would have been just so much better. What you guys check it out. I've been studying English literature, believe it yeah. or not, for <laughs> over a decade. And I still, still have to stop myself and make sure that I say the right century. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I, so, Joe, you think it's well written. What? What do you think? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, okay. Tell us about your poor taste, Joe. I would agree in the characterization. The characterization of Jane is incredible because she is, we get like a, a view into her psychology. And there's this, there's so many moments when she's just like undergoing this psychological torment, indecision. Um, she's of two minds. She doesn't know what to do, or she knows what she should do and she knows what she wants to do. And they're kind of in mm-hmm. conflict. There's this moment where she's like sneaking out of a house and she really, really, really wants to stay. And we get to see like her from her through her eyes. And we get to hear and feel her feelings as she's like pausing outside the door. And does she go in and stay in this house? She knows she shouldn't. And so she ends up leaving. 
but it's just like this absolute torment. So that part is really well written. I will agree there. I mean, maybe he was just being nice. No, no, no. I I think like, I think one of the cool (laughs) things about it is when, you know, when we read things from the mid 19th century, so often it's just totally closed off and inaccessible. Like it could be like overly verbose and very florid and all these things. And I don't think Jane Eyre is those things. I think the language is straightforward. I think it's like relatively like it's a, it's a good story. Well told is what I think. Fair enough. Hey, Litheads, check it out. Um, This podcast survives, if you will. This podcast is an internal combustion engine, and the fuel Mm -hmm. that runs, upon which this engine runs, is books, not, not your recommendations. But the way that we get the books into the podcast is your recommendations. Your recommendations are like a gas pump is my point. Anyway, Mm -hmm. please pump our gas tank full of book recommendations. This is the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to to do a worse one every week and it's going well. Hey, Litheads, head on over to our social media on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and uh, at You Don't Know Lit and uh, drop a recommendation there. Um, you could also go to the the website at you don't know lit podcast.com. You can find all of the all of the previous episodes on that website. You can also submit a book. Or since we're so apparently bad at picking themes, you could submit a theme over there mm-hmm. too if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Every, we're all winners when you pick the themes. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't yes. pick big city books because apparently Nick hates that one. Well, and it's been done. So it's been done. This is a quote from just the 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 belly of the beast. This is Jane speaking, obviously. Okay. And she says, I hardly know whether I had slept or not after this musing. At any rate, I started wide awake upon hearing a vague murmur, peculiar and lugubrious, which sounded, I thought, just above me. I wished I had kept my candle burning the night, was drearily dark, my spirits were depressed. I rose and sat up in bed listening. The sound was hushed. I tried again to sleep, but my heart beat anxiously. My inward tranquility was broken. The clock far down in the hall struck two. Just then it seemed my chamber door was touched, as if fingers had swept the panels in groping away along the dark gallery outside. I said, who is there? Nothing answered. I was chilled with fear. All at once, I remembered that it might be Pilot the dog, who, when the kitchen door chanced to be left open not unfrequently, found his way up to the threshold of Mr. Rochester's chamber. I had seen him lying there myself in the mornings. The idea calmed me somewhat. I'd lay down. Silence composes the nerves, and as an unbroken hush now reigned again through the whole house, I began to feel the return of slumber. But it was not fated that I should sleep that night. A dream had scarcely approached my ear when it fled affrighted, scared by a marrow-freezing incident enough. This was a demoniac laugh, low, suppressed, and deep, uttered as it seemed at the very keyhole of my chamber door. The head of my bed was near the door, and I thought at first the goblin laugher stood at my bedside, or rather crouched by my pillow, but I rose, looked around, and could see nothing. While as I still gazed, the unnatural sound was reiterated. I knew it came from behind the panels. My first impulse was to rise and fasten the bolt. My next again to cry out, Who is there? Something gurgled and moaned. Ere long, steps retreated up the gallery toward the third-story staircase. 
A door had lately been made to shut in that staircase. I heard it open and close, and all was still. <laughs>